Our passage of Scripture is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. This passage is about Jesus going to give probably one of the most fundamental commandments that you and I know off the top of our head. And it's one thing to know it, and it's a better thing to do it. Again, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. I'll begin reading in verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. I want to tell you an article I read the other day where it had it was an article, biography of Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was the coach in 1959 of the Green Bay Packers, and he um, had to do the difficult task of turning a losing franchise into champions. But the legend says that there was a miserable showing within the Packers, and they got into the locker room just waiting for what Coach Lombardi was going to say to them. And after a few moments, Coach Lombardi walks into the locker room with a football in his hands, just thinking of what he could say to this team. He then holds up the football and says, and says Gentlemen, this is a football. He then begins to explain the parameters of the baseline for the football team, saying that there was an outline that you need to not go across. And there is a 100-yard line. If you get the ball across the 100-yard line, you get six whole points. He would take his team back to the basics. He would take his team back to the fundamentals. And because he took his team back to the fundamentals, back to the basics, he won five championships in seven years. All because he took his team back to the basics to have a perfection in the fundamentals. You and I can learn a lot from Lombardi if we come back to the basics of Christianity, come back to the fundamentals. Church, this is a Bible. And in the passage, you and I just read is the most fundamental commandment you and I are to live by. To love our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lombardi, back to him just for a second, he had an expectation for his players on how they should play. And Christ has an expectation for his church on how you and I are to live. And we live through our love. My main point this morning is that the fundamentals of our walk with God start with love. The fundamentals of our walk with God start with love. It starts with us loving him loving others, and also starts with acknowledging God's love and how he is loved throughout the scriptures. You and I see the constant theme within God's love to Israel, how they were a chosen nation. I actually want to read you a, um, a passage that um, demonstrates God's love for Israel. It's in Deuteronomy 7, 6-9. I want to read it for you. For you are a holy people to Yahweh your God. Yahweh your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Yahweh did not set his love on you nor choose you because 
you were more in number than any of the peoples. You were the fewest of all the peoples. But because Yahweh loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, Yahweh brought you out by a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now therefore, know therefore, that Yahweh your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant, his loving kindness to thousands of generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Israel is loved not on their, by God, not because of their actions, but because of who God is. You and I know that God is love. You and I know that principle from 1 John 4, 16, where it says that God is love, therefore abide in love. And if you abide in love, you abide in God, and God abides in you. You and I are loved by him, not based on anything that you and I do, but based on his good character. Another example would be Peter, that some of you and I can probably relate to, where Peter comes up to Jesus and says, I love you so much, I'll never deny you. I would die for you. And then Jeter, the Jesus has to say to Peter and say, yeah, Jeter's, I'm up here, Jeter, anyway. <laughs> and, he, and Jesus says to Peter that you will deny me three times. And he does. But in the Gospel of John, we read a little further, after Jesus resurrects from the dead, before he ascends to be with the Father, he asked Peter a question. Peter, do you love me? And then he asks it again. Peter, do you love me? And he asks it a third time. Peter, do you love me? A comparison of Jesus, of Jesus being denied by Peter, but Jesus still loving Peter anyway. The question for Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? It was to test him to see if he really did. But even if he didn't, Christ still loved him. God is love. The fundamentals of our walk with God begins with acknowledging that he is love. Now, I've said before that our obedience, or God's love is not based on our obedience, it's based on his character. Now, when it comes to his discipline, that's on our obedience. If we disobey, we will be disciplined. But why would we, why would we be disciplined? Because he loves us. Because he chastens those whom he loves. Israel had that task, as in the passage earlier, where if they were, because of God's love, they were going to have the land. But based on their obedience, that's how much they would enjoy it. You and I have that same responsibility to acknowledge that God loves you and I, but we still need to respond in the love that he has given us. I want to read verse 9 of, of that passage of Deuteronomy that I want to say one more time. It says, you need to know, therefore, that Yahweh your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant, his loving kindness to thousands of generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. This is the very same thing that God said in the flesh in John 14, where he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, it's interesting that in the Gospel of Matthew, the passage that we are in, Let's read it again. Verse 36 and 38 of Gospel of Matthew 22. Let's read 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. It's interesting that God says, If you love me, you obey my commands. But the greatest command is to love him. Jesus is saying, If you love me, Love me. If you love me, you will love others. If you love others, love them. 
Show them compassion because I've had compassion on you. And this does bring me to my second point. Love is a command. It's not necessarily a feeling. Love is described as a command, not an emotion when it comes to this passage. Yes, there are some affections that you and I may have, sure, but love is a command. It is a choice. It is an option. And you and I are commanded to love. And you and I every day have opportunities to love God. Every day. By giving Him thank, uh, thankfulness through having life in general and also through the daily blessings that you and I have. But sometimes we may not take that as seriously as we should. But we should take our relationship with God seriously, especially if we say that we do love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. If you and I say that we love God, you and I should acknowledge this is the very same God who cannot be in the presence of sin. How seriously do you and I take our sin? Do we repent every day? Do we repent immediately when we sin? Where do we go when we sin? Do we go away from God? Or do we go to the same God who loves us and is willing to come, for us to come to him with open arms? Another aspect of how you and I can show our seriousness for God and his love and that it's a command, a choice to do, is to acknowledge it's in his word. There's a, a skeptic scholar by the name of Bart Ehrman who likes to go to Christian universities to discourage believers to not believe in the authenticity of the Bible. And the question he always starts off with, is for those of you that are Christians, how many of you believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God? Well, of course, all of them would answer, would raise their hands and they would answer, and they'd say, put your hands down. And they would ask a follow up question How many of you Christians have read the entire thing? And you and I probably know that that number is low. And it is. Usually, challenges and applications, they're at the end of sermons. For those of us that have read the entire Bible, I want to challenge you and me to read it again within a full year, to take God's word seriously and to read it again within a full year. For those of us that have not read the entire Bible, I challenge you also to read the entire Bible within a year. It can happen. It can. Well, Drew, I, I would love to take this challenge, but I don't know where to start. That's okay. That's a humble heart you have, and that's good. Start with the New Testament. You don't start in Genesis. Start in the Gospel of John. If you want, start in 2 John. That is the shortest book in the Bible. It's only like 14 verses. You want to feel encouraged? That's a, that's a devotion, okay? Be encouraged. It's, it's, not, it's only difficult if you make it difficult. If, but if you and I enjoy loving God in reading his word, we would try our best to do so, to take his word Seriously. Well, Drew, I, I want to do the challenge, but I don't think I'm a fast reader. I, don't, I genuinely think I need more time than a year. Okay, that's fine. As long as you read. As long as you take his word seriously. There's no need to, there's no condemnation here. I'm, I don't want to sound arrogant. I'm, I'm trying to be gentle. It's okay. As long as we're showing God his love, our love for him, because of the love that he's given to you and me. If we love God, we take his commandment in his word seriously. The fundamentals of our walk with God, they start with love, understanding that God is love, understanding we need to love him, and we need to love his word. 
Because again, love is described as a command. It is not an emotion. It is described more than an emotion. It is a command. It is an opportunity, a choice to make. Let me illustrate it this way. Wives, I already know the answer to this question, but I'm asking anyway. Wives, raise your hand if you've ever gotten mad at your husband. Wait, let me finish the question. Wives, how many of you, raise your hand if you ever got mad at your husband and you still loved him anyway? Some of y'all know. <laughs> but why, why do you still love your husband? Because it's not based on your feelings. It's based on the choices that you make. And the same thing you and I need to do with God is not based on how we feel. It is based on what we do in the midst of our feelings. There are going to be days where we don't want to pray, where we don't want to come to church, where we don't want to sing the songs, where we don't want to listen to the sermon. But the fact that you still do it anyway, that shows that you love God. There are going to be days in this challenge to read God's Word entirely in a year. There are going to be days where you don't want to read. But the fact that you still do so anyway shows you, it shows God, excuse me, that you love Him. when we do get tired, when we are burdened, whatever the case may be to show our love for God, I also want to encourage you again that in the Gospel of John that I mentioned earlier, where Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands. In the very same context, in the very same next verse, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper, and he will be with you forever. The Holy Spirit within us to give us that strength when we are weak, to give us that grace when we need it, to rely on the Holy Spirit to love him because love abides in us. We abide in God. We abide in love. It is a command. It's more than an emotion and a feeling. And it starts with loving him, but it also starts with loving others. As we see in verse 39 of the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus says in verse 39, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This gets to my final point, that the command of love applies to everyone. The, the command to love applies for all of us. To love and to be loved. To love others. It's an opportunity to be compassionate on others. To see that this person has a need, I'm willing to do something about it. Because Christ did that for you and for me first. Jesus says the similar thing as he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We are to treat each other how we would want to be treated. How do you and I treat our fellow church members? Do we see if there is a need within the church, do we become the ones to fulfill it? It's a good thing to pray. It's a really good thing to try to be an answered prayer. It's a good thing to also try to look for the needs of our church, to look and see is someone struggling with something, whether they're burdened, tired, or they've, they've sinned and they need to be rebuked, but in love and gentleness. Do we treat them that way? How will we treat our fellow worker when we go to work? When they see, is there something going terrible at home? Do we do something about it? Because how do you and I treat ourselves? We want the best for ourselves, right? Why wouldn't we want the same for others? 
that is the point that Jesus wants us to love everyone as ourselves. This command of love applies to everyone. And we love everyone because Christ loves everyone. Again, in the Sermon on the Mount, earlier, Jesus says that, do not think I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. And how does he fulfill it? He fulfills it in love. I want to read to you Romans 13, 8 through 10, which says, oh, no, where Paul says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Christ is love. This is why he could fulfill his very own law, his law. And he did no one wrong. He didn't do you wrong, me wrong, and we shouldn't do any others wrong. When you and I have an opportunity to get back at someone, to be passive to someone who's maybe been passive to us, or to do something wrong to them, that's where we become the bigger per person. That's where we become the Christian, to do what Christ did for you and me. Instead of condemning, we show gentleness and show love. Because Christ did the very same thing to you and for me. He fulfilled the law. Which is why he says in verse 40 on uh, the Gospel of Matthew, on these two commandments, these two commandments he just said, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. All of the Old Testament is summarized in love. And Christ did that for you and for me. He was, Christ is willing to be compassionate to anyone and everyone. And he does the same thing for you and I. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, Love covers a multitude of sins. And only God forgives sins. Because Christ was willing to have his blood shed for you and for me. So that we may live and have eternal life. Christ is willing to be compassionate to everyone. How willing are you and I to be compassionate to others? Paul says in Ephesians 4.2 that you and I are to be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. We are to be completely humble. Humble in the fact that when we are wrong, we go to God. When we are wrong to others, we take the responsibility say, you were right, I was wrong, sorry. We're also supposed to be gentle. Gentle in the fact because Christ was gentle with you and forgiving you, and we are to be gentle with others as well when they do us wrong. Why are we to be patient? Because love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, nor does it boast. We bear with one another in love. When there is an opportunity to serve, when there is an opportunity to meet a need, that is the chance to love, to showing anyone and everyone that you can be there for them because Christ has always and will always be there for you and for me. I want to end off the sermon with this point, this illustration. I had a friend of mine in middle school who I looked up to, not because he was a good guy, because he was 6'9". Okay, 6'9 in middle school, crazy. 
Now, he tried to be hilarious. He tried to be funny. He wanted to join the basketball team, but he never knew how to dribble the ball. He didn't know how to shoot, pass any of the fundamentals. He knew none of it. Now, he still got on the team because he looked like he could play, all because of his height. But the reality came, and they did not win a single game because he did not know the fundamentals of the game. And it cost him his reputation, but also his team. If you and I don't take the fundamentals of love seriously, if you and I don't take the fundamentals of God's commandment to love him and to love others, you and I will not only hurt ourselves, you and I will hurt the church and other church members. You and I will also hurt the church's reputation. And worst of all, you and I may hurt our relationship with God. Now again, God's love will not change no matter what you and I do. But how we respond to that is our responsibility. To act like we've been loved. To act like he loves us. The fundamentals of our walk with God, they start with love. To acknowledge what love is and God is love. And how we are to love God, especially to read his word, to take his word seriously, read it daily, but also to love everyone, to be compassionate to those who need it. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time to take God seriously, a time to love him, to pray to him, to say that we love him. When's the last time we've ever said to God that we love him? Let this be an opportunity to respond to God's love, to love him, and to maybe find opportunities to serve in whatever the case may be. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for your word, your command to love. And we're so grateful that you demonstrated that first. We're so grateful that you are love. We're so grateful that we have the scriptures to take that opportunity to read and to apply. Please remind us that we cannot apply what we do not know. For your glory, let us love you and let us love others the best that we can. Give us strength when we are weak. In Jesus' name, amen.